the New Testament. So it's towards the back side of your Bible. You can get to First and Second Timothy and First and Second Thessalonians. It's to the right of that. You can get to Book of James. Just go to the left and turn us by Hebrews and uh, chapter ten. Is we'll start with verse nineteen this morning. Last week we started a series on the subject of what Nova Community Church is all about. And if you would pull out these notes that are also in here, we're just folder on one side is the, is the notes of the message, and then on the other side is uh, our question. And these questions, this is a sample for you to see. And these are the questions that our sermon-based small groups are going to be using. And so you can, uh, this week you can just take a look at this for your own personal study to review the next week and go over your notes in the front side and fill in the blanks you can have out of this and or this morning. We did start this series last week on the subject of what no most community church is all about. In this series, we're exploring topics like what's new or, or, or what's NOVA about regarding things like worship. Pastor John brought up the message last week and next on message about worship. And we're going to talk about what's new or what do we need to renew about NOVA regarding loving one another or caring for those who are disenfranchised in need. We're going to talk about how do we equip leaders in our church and how do we disciple Christians. How do we give and how do we pray in, uh, at our new church, Nova Community Church? Today we're going to talk about our gathering. Um, I was in a meeting just this weekend as I was preparing for this Wednesday. This guy gave me a wonderful uh, illustration. I was in a meeting with City and we were sitting there. I was a little bit early and I was sitting and I have a new friend that's uh, new to this commission that I'm on. And we were looking over the agenda and we had about five or ten minutes before the meeting was going to start. And she said, so what do you do? Um, what, what, what do you do uh, for work? And she said, I heard you're a pastor. And uh, I said, well, yeah, I, I'm a pastor. And, and she said, of a church? And I said, yeah, I'm a pastor of a church. Because there are those who have ministerial credentials who don't uh, pastor in a church. And, and so I, I said, yeah, I'm a church. And she said, so there's people and you meet? And I said, yeah, we, we actually do. She said, what do you do there in that meeting? Do you lead those meetings? And I said, I'm, I'm, I'm one of the leaders of, of that meeting. And, and she said, oh, okay. And what, do you, what do you do? And then the meeting started. So I, I didn't have a chance to, to tell her what we did. But she said, I want to continue this conversation at another time. I said, great. So today what we're going to do, I'm going to give you some expectations regarding the shape and the, the style of our, of our gatherings. Our gatherings are, are not merely for a spiritual connection, but also for a relational connection. And uh, this message is going to be deeply theological and very, very practical. In fact, theology really isn't all that good unless it is practical in some way. So here's the question today. What can a, a Novaite, what can a, what can a Novanian, uh, what can a uh, Novanese, uh, person expects when we gather together. Let me read you our text for today. Let me just stop for a second. Are we having problems with uh, sound? We are not having sound? Okay, do you want me to take one of these? Okay. Okay, God help me here. I'm just going to read 
Can someone help me? Help with the boy? Okay. okay. How are we doing? Okay? No? Start again? Can we do it? <laughs> okay, how are we doing now? Yeah, okay. That's my worst nightmare. Okay. <laughs> Alright, we're going to get in the text right now. It's uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19, is where we're going to begin. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Church gatherings, uh, they consist in maybe two different styles, if you will, and I have an object lesson for us here today. Um, people come to church and, and um, they can be sort of described as, as marbles. Um, different shapes and different sizes, different colors. Here's a, a big one, I think they call this a shooter, right? Um, it's kind of green and the, these are cat's eyes, I, I believe. And, and when, when people in a church gather, they, uh, they come together in their, they, they, they gather together. Maybe they say hi to one another, and, and so there's uh, some mixing up of, of the people of the church. They hear a Bible message, and so there's more mixing, and, and they sing some songs, and they stir it up a little bit more. Maybe they have some uh, donuts or coffee during class time, they're willing to stay for that, and, and they do that. Some leave early. <laughs> Some go to second hour classes and, uh, and mix it up. But really what happens when we all go home, maybe we join a small group too, and choir rehearsal and youth group. And, but when we all go home, we just go our separate ways. And each marble, it just retains its same shape, its same color. There, there's, there's no impact at all with any of us. However, there are some churches, and Nova Community Church will be one of these, where uh, we're like grapes and different colors, different sizes, and uh, we come together on Sunday. We gather. And uh, an escapee right there. Yeah. <laughs> and so we're different colors and different gatherings, and so 
you come in and, and uh, someone says hi to you. And so we kind of mix it up a little bit. And you greet one another warmly and give them a handshake or a hug. Mixed up a little bit more. You hear a good Bible message. And it's mixed up more. Sing some songs. Have some pleasant time. <laughs> Second hour classes, small groups, youth group, kids are in the children's ministry. And you know what really happens? And I'm not going to do that. <laughs> but when we leave, we're different. We're changed. There is a sense of when we mix together, when we gather together, there is something different. Now, always in a group, in a gathering, there are some who are going to continue to be like marbles. And there are going to be some who are like grapes. And as we mix it up, and as we gather together, Nova Community Church will be a church that, when we meet, whether it's Sunday morning or during the week, when we meet, there will be transformation because of that gathering together. The Bible tells us before we knew Christ, we were separated from Him. Not just from God, but from one another too. And for those who put their trust in Jesus, we've been made one with Him. And the scripture says that when we believe that God welcomes us into His body, that's the church, that's this gathering. And what this means is that we don't function separately and individualistically because we're members of one another. One of the high values of NCC is that we gather together in worship on Sundays and during the week in small groups. And our gathering each Sunday and in small groups, it, it flies in the face of what our culture offers. You see, there's some threats to our gathering. We have threats. In your notes here, you might want to jot some of these down. The first threat I, I could see is what we call rugged individualism. It's the American way of doing things. It's the I'll do it my way mantra that's, that's called out there and sung in songs. And so we create activity for our lives. And I know you feel the pressure to do this. It's the busyness of life. And for some reason, for some reason, this chaotic lifestyle is admired by many and held up as a model for what life should be like. And to pause and to gather, to actually pause and to gather with others to worship appears to be a sign of weakness to those who threaten our gatherings with this rugged individualism. Or others will say, to gather to worship, that's a luxury that I can't afford because I need to stay busy. The second thing that threatens our gatherings is isolation. And busyness tends to lead to burnout, and, and burnout calls out to, I need some me time, right? It's, it's sort of, I need my time. I need to be, isolate myself. And, and people isolate themselves, they, they say, I, I don't have a need for God. I don't have a need for organized religion or, or people that help me. In fact, I'm, there's a sense of ego or pride because maybe you've been hurt by the church or by church people or by Christians. And the, the strange thing, the ironic thing with all of this is what can actually bring healing to your life if you've been hurt in that way is God and the gathering of God's people, but you isolate yourself from that. It's not just rugged individualism or isolation. I think the third is consumerism. And this threatens us perhaps more than anything. The church gathering becomes a show, it seems, or an event. 
where you as an audience member of a gathering like this, not a member, but an audience member, you're thinking in your mind as you approach this place, you're thinking, wow, this better be good today, right? And, and you almost feel like you need tickets to attend because um, there's celebrity pastors and celebrity musicians all over with pro sound and lighting, the children's program that's like the happiest place on earth. So what, what, what do you do with that? that that's, that's the thing that threatens our gathering. It's, it's interesting that um, gathering, people who gather like this in the consumerism mentality, they want what they want. They want their comfort, they want their pleasure, and they want to unfeed this selfish sort of objective in their life. See, the Bible portrays the gathering of the church as altogether different. It's vibrant and it's vital versus what the cultural pursuits that drive us all apart are about. Now, the writer of the book of Hebrews in chapter 10, it's, it, the whole chapter is packed with good news, and I encourage you this week to read this whole chapter. It, it's good news to God's people. It, it, it declares that God himself allows us to worship him directly through the personal sacrifice of Jesus Christ. It asserts that Jesus is the only one perfectly qualified in the, to enter into God's presence. And by his sacrifice on the cross, he opened the door to God's presence like nothing could have or would have. And building on this foundation of access to God, the writer urges his readers as they gather to respond in four different ways. And beginning in verse 22 of chapter 10, we're going to look to see it five times the author uses the words, let us. And so these are four reasons why we gather. The first is to celebrate and to worship. The first reason we gather is to celebrate and to worship. In verse 22, it says, let us, those two words, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. See, God's people gather for worship and celebration because we have confidence. There's a confidence that we have that he loves us and wants to be in a relationship with us. And so that's, that's, that's why we gather and worship. Our, our confidence comes from not the size of our gathering and not the sound of the beautiful noise that we make or our giving or any of our activity, but from the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. That's where our confidence lies. And therefore, we come to worship with a sincere heart because we have full assurance of faith that we are acceptable in God's eyes. Now, let me get real practical when it comes to this idea of celebrating and worshiping. Pastor John, like I said, brought this message of worship and what, what's new about worship, uh, what's new about Nova regarding worship. And I want to get real practical here. And, and I want to be sensitive because I'm going to step on some of your toes. I talked to someone before our worship service started and I said, uh, you know, I'm going to step on some toes today. He says, well, I, I didn't bring my steel-toed boots, but I brought my running shoes. And so I said, okay. <laughs> the practical side of this is, is that we need to have this sincere heart, a heart prepared to worship. Did you come this morning with a heart prepared to worship? Let me, let me just bring you some attitudes that this is the expectation I'm laying out to you for what Nova Church and our, the worshipers are going to be looking towards. The attitude is you need to be focused as you come to worship, as we gather. You need to be rested. I'll say that again. You need to be rested. Not distracted. There's a sense of discipline that you need to have. And I think it's good for all of us to have this sense of discipline, no matter what age you are. 
from a toddler, or not the toddlers, from the four-year-old to a high schooler to even beyond that. You need to have a sense of discipline that this is a one-hour service and we're, we're going to be worshiping God. You need to be prepared and you need to be discerning, ready to hear from God's word, ready to hear from God and, and being, being uh, open to his Holy Spirit. Let me just say this. Parents, you need to model this for your children. Parents, you need to model this for your children. And this may mean that on Saturday night, you're choosing your activities properly because we know that Sunday morning we're going to gather at 9.30. And maybe your Sunday morning is going to be altogether different. That alarm clock's going to be set just a little bit earlier because you're going to be rested a little bit more because of your choice of activities on Saturday night. And your Sunday mornings are not going to be as chaotic as they once were because you're going to come with an attitude prepared to worship. And Sunday afternoons may be altogether different. And maybe your midweek gatherings, you need to cut out some time in your busy lifestyle because your busy lifestyle is a threat to our gatherings. And you need to make some time to have a small group experience where we can have a little idea of getting to know somebody else. We are not, Nova people are not people of chaos and we're not people of busyness, but we are people, number one, who gather to celebrate and to worship. The second thing that's a, a, a reason for our gathering is number two, to be renewed. That's why we gather. It says in verse 23 of Hebrews chapter 10, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. So, so why do we need to be renewed anyways? It's because we forget the hope that we profess. Life has a way of tearing us down and of, of emptying us out, of using us up. Life has a way of letting our hope slip away. And that change is not a good thing for any of us. And our attitude of renewal is, is about keeping a tight grip or holding unswervingly, it says in verse 22, on the one who does not change or vacillate. God has made promises to his people, and he will keep these promises. And, he, and we will need to hold on to these promises when our hope is waning. Nova Gavins will be a place where the leadership will point you to that hope and that, that we profess. And it'll be a reminder that God is faithful. and He's a promise-keeping God. I like the word renovate. It, it's a word from the dictionary that says to restore to a better state. To restore to a better state. As by cleaning or repairing or rebuilding. That's what I need from week to week. Don't you need that? I need a renovation of my life. I need to restore my life to, to vigor and to activity. And, and week to week, we need the encouragement of renewal or renovation that a gathering of God's people can provide. So we gather first to celebrate or to worship. Second, we gather to be renewed. And the third one is, is very interesting. We gather to strongly encourage. And, and I, I would put emphasis on that word strongly here. Verse 24, Hebrews chapter 10. The, the third, let us. It says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Now, now, why do we need to do this? Well, I think it's, it's clear because we're all given to self-centeredness, a, a self-focused life. And, and why should we give a consideration or a thoughtful consideration? It's, it's what should I be turning over in my mind as I approach a gathering? Well, let me just tell you this. I am to strategize. It's a strange word, but I am to strategize how to provoke another person. 
Now, if you're thinking, wow, provoke, that sounds pretty negative, Dean. It is. You see, you're getting the right impression. The, the Greek word for the word provoke or stir up was almost always exclusively used in the Bible in a negative sense. It's the same word used in Acts chapter 15 when Paul and Barnabas had a strong disagreement. The word provoke or stirred up was, was uh, uh, explaining or, or telling us about their strong disagreement. It's also found in Hebrews chapter 6 verse 4 when the scripture says, Fathers, do not exasperate. Do not provoke your children to anger. Those are negative examples of this word provoke. But here it's almost, it almost seems like the, the writer of Hebrews is using this strong word. Even though it's using positively here, it has to do with a strong encouragement for Christians to be encouraged to some action. Maybe the writer is saying to the Hebrew Christians, you've provoked one another to anger long enough. Now do the opposite. Provoke one another to what? What do the scripture says? It says to love and, and good deeds. And there's an objective to this stirring up and provoking one another. Let me, let me just... Let me stir you up a little bit. How about that? Let me provoke you a little bit. We've been gathering, this is our seventh week as Nova Community Church. And I want you to know that our culture cries out to us and says, you need to ask yourself, what is, it, what is, what is that thing, whatever that thing is, what's that going to do for me? It's all about a me focus. We call that a consumer focus. The other side of that is a contributor focus. And I want you to know that if you're new here, if you're a guest here, I think it's okay for you to say, is Nova Community Church good for me or for my family, for my friends? And that's a consumer mindset. But I want you to know, don't live there too long. Because if you do, you'll get used to it. And so every church, every gathering, everything you show up to, you're thinking, what's in it for me? And that's not what Nova's about. Noah's about a group of people that gather that are contributors. And so in your mind right now, if you're thinking, what's in it for me, I want you to, I want to encourage you, I want to provoke you to say, get past that real quick. And if this place is not for you, okay, you need to move on. But wherever you go to gather for worship, you need to ask yourself, what's in it for me? If this is my place, then you need to cross that line and say, I'm going to be a contributor. And so, if you're in the consumer mindset, you can stay there for a little bit longer. I'll give you a couple. <laughs> I'm going to draw a line, and I'm going to say, once you answer that question, say, this is my place, then you move into the contributor side. What I mean by that is, serving is not an option. I want, to, I want you to know that. It's not an option. Because those who are consumers don't serve. Those who are contributors understand that the New Testament, that the Bible tells us that we were member, all members of this body. And we each have a part to do. We'll get into that at another time. But I want you to know, serving is not an option. And let me just put it simply this way. Everyone takes a job. Everyone does. There is no one who doesn't take a job. Now, I'm not saying that we've got to get you, everyone out in the parking lot helping to park cars or... You know, everyone to serve in youth ministry or children's ministry, we're going to help you find a job. That's going to be about how do we equip people, how do we train people, how do we do that. But that's what NOVA's going to be about. It's not going to be a church of consumers. There will be some consumers who are saying, I've got to check this out and see what it's like. But we're going to draw a line and say, as soon as you say, this is my place, 
I'm going to provoke you to say everyone takes a job. There is no option for that because that's what the Bible says. So where do we start if everyone takes a job? I say I want to be a, a contributor. Well, you can start with refreshments. When it's your turn, today it's the L's to the MA's. It's, it's my turn today. There's a wonderful plate of home-baked oatmeal cookies that's going to be on the table there because we took our test. Then afterwards, we clean out the coffee pots. Everyone takes a job. Serving is not an option here because we're here. I'm here to provoke you, to strongly encourage, and you should do the same to one another. You should remind one another why we are here. We are not here to be consumers. We're here to be contributors. We gather, number one, to celebrate and worship to be renewed, number two. Number three is to strongly encourage. And the last one is this, just to be together. Just to be together. Verse 25, there are two of the phrases of let us here. It says, let us not give up meeting together as some are are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So why do we do this? It's because isolation breeds discouragement every single time. We need to show up and be together because isolation will always breed discouragement. And some of the attitudes that are out there that the, that the writer of Hebrews is addressing is this. Some of the Jewish Christians saw the gathering as something that was just sort of an added on practice to their already strong religious practices, Hebrew Christians. Or maybe some of the Hebrew Christians just sort of thought that gathering is something that they can just patronize when they want to. Or maybe some obviously feared persecution at that time. And they thought that if I gather, then I'll be, a, I'll, I'll, I'll be a target. But whatever their reasons for not wanting to gather together, whoever they were, the writer of Hebrews says, don't go down that road. Don't get into that habit of not gathering. Now, I need to be clear here. I want to be very, very clear. This principle is not a scriptural basis for the kind of legalistic statement that says, if you show up to church, you're a good Christian. We're not saying that at all. The location of your physical body on a Sunday morning doesn't determine your spirituality. What the author is saying is this, it's the community of authentic Christians who will challenge you to grow in your faith, who will challenge you to good works, and encourage you to walk with Christ. That's what you need to be a part of. And he's saying, if you stay distant, either physically, staying distant from the gathering, or by your attitude, then you won't be available for God to work in your life. And you won't be available to God for, for God to use you in other people's lives. But you could show up every Sunday morning. And you can go to every single growth group that happens during the week. And you can be closed off and disengaged like a marble. You can show up to everything, but you're not going to be changed at all. And if you keep your heart and your life closed off to others, you're going to not be impacted or neither will you impact another person. So, we need to show up. We need to engage with others. And the call is to consistent engagement. A habitual engagement, if you will. We're to have that good habit of consistently gathering together weekly and during the week. Now, if gathering is new for you, if, if attending a worship service like this is new for you, this is a good place to start. Let me, let me just tell you, it's encouraging that you're here. I, I, I want you to, if you're thinking it doesn't matter if I show up on Sunday morning, I want you to know, it's encouraging that you're here today. And it, it, 
coming to worship can affect others. To, just to be here, it affects other people. Now let me just step on some toes here. Coming on time encourages others. Here's the expectation. Let me, let me put it out there. Just so that we're, we're, we're clear. I, this is what I expect. Pastor John and I expect this. This is the expectation. That you're here ready to worship by 925. That's the expectation. So, just think about it in that, in that way. We say our worship service starts at 930. 925 is a good time for you to have a bottom end seat ready to go. And, and you know what? Even beyond that, We'll always need people to help parking for parking and greeting and ushering and all those other things that need to be done, setting up the plaza and all of that. It's great for you to be here early. We'll get some systems in place and get some leaders to get put together and have a schedule laid out. But let me just give you that expectation. Being on time encourages others. And I want, I want to let you know, 925 is a great time to be here. So we gather to celebrate the worship. We gather to be renewed, the, the renovation of our lives. We gather to strongly encourage one another, to love one another in good deeds. And we gather just to be together. It's, it's great to be together. Now let me just close with this real quick about being people of great gatherings. Francis Schaeffer said in his book, The Mark of a Christian, our relationship with each other is the criterion the world uses to judge whether our message is truthful. Christian community is the final apologetic. So when, Nor when, when uh, Nova Community Church gathers, it's coming with an attitude. And this is, this is the shape and the style, the expectation that we have. Here's some questions to ask yourself as you prepare your heart to come and, and worship with us. The first question is, am I ready and willing to encourage and love others? Am I ready and willing to do that? Or am I just here just to get what I need today? Come ready and willing to engage other people, encouraging them, loving someone else. Be a contributor. Second question is this. How can my life impact and influence people in the direction of God? Not necessarily my words or what I do. It's, it's, it's my life. How does my life impact someone else? How does my life influence someone else in the direction of God? Last question is this. How can I approach a gathering, whether it be a Sunday morning or a small group, youth ministry, a youth group meeting, whatever it would be. How can I approach a gathering with prayer and with thought and with intention, rather than just being, having the consumer mindset of all things? So, let me just say this. When the people of Nova Community gather, we're not a bag of marbles. We're not going to be a bag of marbles, but we're going to be a bunch of grapes. Let's pray together. Dear Father, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for this section in the 10th chapter of the book of Hebrews. We ask that as we leave this place, that you would continue to speak to us through this message, through this scripture today. We are thankful that you've given us some great encouragement by your Holy Spirit, some conviction. But Father, thank you for your word today. May God bless you and may he keep you. May his face shine on you. 
May you receive his love and experience his grace. And may you have the opportunity this week to share good news with someone who desperately needs it. In the name that is above all names, amen.